I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Hey folks, Dr. Joe Esposito here. So glad you're with us today. We're talking about food allergies and food intolerances. And in the first half of the show, we talked about things that you can do. And we're going to cover a little bit more of that as well. So if you missed that, it's going to be on the website, drjoe.com. You could listen to the whole show or watch the whole show. And so we covered a lot today. And you need to hear this because everybody who's listening or watching this show is having some food reaction. Everyone does. So we're going to talk about uh, some of the symptoms you may be having. And you'll say, well, gosh, I never realized my itchy ears, my gas, my bloating, my acid reflux, my bad breath, uh, my mood swings can all be due to food intolerances and food allergies and then what you need to do about it. It's not hard. It's really easy to get these things fixed. And so you just got to decide what to do. So what is a food intolerance? Let me go over that again. The term food hypersensitivity or food intolerances refers to both food allergies and food uh, intolerances. So hypersensitivity means you're just having a bigger reaction than you should. Now, in a food intolerance, it's not the same as a food allergy. Some of the symptoms may be similar, but in fact, it can be difficult to tell food allergies from food intolerances. And that's where the challenge comes in. Make it, uh, making it important uh, to speak to your doctor if you suspect you have an intolerance. Now, again, in our office, uh, we can send you a kit. It's a kit you can do at home, or you can come in our offices and pick it up. We can actually test you to see if you're having a reaction. We do that by testing something called IgE. It's something that we test in the blood or in the urine and in the saliva. We can find it and we can see if it's there or not. And if it is, then it's a food allergy. If it's not, it's food intolerance. When you have a food intolerance, symptoms usually begin within a few hours of eating that food uh, that you're intolerant to. Now, symptoms can be delayed up to 48 hours and last for wee hours or even days. This is what makes the offending food so especially difficult to pinpoint. Now, on our website, drjoe.com, this is homework for you. Go to the website, and you can print up, it's, it's under patient forms, we have something called a diet diary. Print that up and start writing down everything you eat. When I say everything, I mean everything. The food, you chew a piece of gum, you have a sip of soda, uh, you had a tea, anything. Write it down. And then, if you have a symptom, if you have headaches, we're going to talk about some of the symptoms in a second. If you have any of these symptoms, write it in the margin. And then what will happen is you should start to see a pattern. Gosh, every time I drink coffee, I get a headache. Every time I have a sandwich, my sinus runs. Every time I drink milk, I have uh, cramping and gas and bloating and diarrhea. And then you say, okay, now I'm able to see where the problem is. It's a real simple, easy, free way to do some self-evaluation. And then what happens too? This is interesting. The number one thing that you can do to lose weight, what do you think it is? Write down what you're eating. A lot of studies have shown the number one thing that you can do is start writing down what you're eating, and then you realize how bad your diet is. And you go, oh my gosh, I had no idea that I was eating you know, simple carbohydrates six times a day. I was drinking that much beer. I was having that much soda. Because you just drink it, and you move on to the next moment, and the next moment in your life, and you forget. So the number one thing you can do to lose weight is just write down everything you eat. And it's free. It's very simple. So the diet diary is on the website, drjoe.com. While you're there, you can listen to podcasts, watch podcasts, send me questions if you have them, read our blog, a lot of good information on the website. So 
If you frequently consume foods that you're intolerant to, this is the other thing, it may be more difficult to correlate the symptoms to a specific food. If you have dairy products every single day, and you have runny nose and ear infections, and you, you have gas and bloating and diarrhea, and your bad breath stinks and your skin breaks out, you can't figure it out, it's because you're eating it every single day. That's when we have to go into an elimination diet. And that's why the two things to start with are wheat and dairy products. Cut those out of your diet. Now, while symptoms from food intolerances vary, they most often involve the digestive system. You might have skin or respiratory issues, difficulty breathing, skin rashes. We talked about that. So common symptoms. If you have these symptoms, consider either a food allergy or food intolerance. And again, we can test for the food allergies, some of them in our offices. Diarrhea, bloating, rashes, headaches, nausea, fatigue, abdominal pain runny nose, it can actually aggravate acid reflux, flushing of the skin. All these can be signs of a food intolerance or food allergy. Now, food intolerances are commonly diagnosed by what we call the elimination diet, specifically designed to narrow down the offending foods or other foods. There's other methods as well. It might not be a food. It might be a perfume. It might be a deodorant. It might be a hairspray. It might be a lip balm that you're putting on. Uh, makeup, it could be these things too. So the elimination diet, when I say it, isn't just food. It's about lifestyle. Okay. So elimination diets remove foods most commonly associated with intolerances for a period of time until the symptoms subside. Now, foods uh, are then reintroduced one at a time while monitoring the symptoms. Uh, and this type of diet helps people identify which foods are causing the symptoms. Now, here are some of the common food intolerances. Okay, these are the foods you might want to consider taking out, leave them out for a couple of weeks, and then put them back in one at a time. Dairy, we have to cover that again. Lactose and the sugar is, is, a, is commonly found in dairy products. It's broken down by lactase, and which is necessary in order for lactose to be broken down to, lac, to break that. Lactase breaks down lactose, and then you can absorb it. Lactose intolerance is caused by a shortage of lactase enzymes. And this causes an inability for lactose um, to be broken down, and it results in digestive symptoms. Symptoms of lactose intolerance are abdominal pain, bloating, diarrhea, gas, nausea. Lactose, the sugar found in milk, anything with OSE, by the way, is a sugar. Anything with ASE is an enzyme. So lactose is broken down by lactase. Lactose intolerance, extremely common. It's estimated about 65% of the world's population has trouble digest digesting lactose, and the intolerance can be diagnosed in several ways. It's probably higher than that, but we're talking about a clinical reaction. A subclinical reaction means it's happening, it's causing an inflammatory reaction, you may not know about it. So uh, lactose intolerance test, you can do a breath test, you can do a stool sample. Now, if you ferment the lactose, things like kefir or yogurt, many times are easy to, easier to absorb, uh, digest, because the lactose intolerance uh, is broken down, because in the fermentation process, the lactose is broken down, broken down. So they contain less lactase, fermented products, than other dairy products, lactose, than other dairy products, um, because it's fermented. And now here's the thing with dairy. We keep thinking, how can I drink cow's milk? I can do kefir, I can do yogurt, I can add lac uh, enzymes to it, lactase to it. I can drink the milk that has the enzyme taken in or the lactose taken out. That's all well and good, but why don't you just avoid the dairy? It's just that simple. I haven't had dairy products in about 34 years. I'm not asking you to do that. I am asking you to consider how easy it is not to do it. And when you do it, and I've been doing this for years now, Patients come to me and say, Dr. Joe, why didn't I do this sooner? How could it have been any easier to change my health, to save money, to feel better, probably live longer, have more energy, my love life improves, my skin clears up? Why did I fight you so long? And my answer is always, I don't know. So it's very simple. Just cut out the dairy. 
And when you do, you're going to be amazed how easy it is. Now, here's the thing with dairy. Uh, most things I'm going to talk about. Most nutrition, oh, I say half nutrition, is you have to not do something. You have to not eat the food. You have to not eat the alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, and artificial sweetener. And when you do it, you're going to realize that it's so quick and so easy and so inexpensive, you'll be mad you didn't do it sooner. So it's passive. I couldn't make it easier. I'm telling you not to do something. Now, the other part is adding good foods to your diet. Things like fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, minimum supplements, minimum. Dr. Joe's Super Greens and Dr. Joe's Essential Source. You need those in your diet. And most people, I think everybody does this, you know, organically grown, raw food diet, you have no stress. Maybe those people. But other than that, the, the food supply is different than it used to be. Even organic food doesn't have as much nutrients as it used to have. And so getting a good supplement into your diet, I believe, is uh, paramount to good health. So those are on the website, drjoe.com. They taste great. They're two powders, relatively inexpensive. It's silly not to do it. All right, another food you want to consider taking out of your diet, gluten. Now, it's a general term for, given to proteins that are found in many different things. The gluten we're talking about today is found in wheat, barley, rye, and something called triticale. I don't know how many people eat triticale. Uh, now, there are different types of gluten, such as rice gluten. They don't seem to cause the big issues. So if you see glutinous rice that sticks together, and you say, well, that has gluten in it, I can't eat it, it's a different type of gluten. Gluten is a general term for proteins. Uh, conditions related to gluten intolerance include celiac disease, non-celiac gluten sensitivity, which means we can test you. You test negative uh, for the, the immune reaction, but you're still having all the symptoms. Wheat allergies, um, sinus problems, uh, mood swings, a lot of kids that are hyperactive. Wheat and dairy, folks, just consider taking them out of your diet. Give me two weeks. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So what? You gave up two weeks. But if I'm right, which I am, then you want to consider keeping it that way. Celiac disease involves an immune response which is why it's classified really as an autoimmune disease. And when people with celiac disease are exposed to gluten, the immune system attacks the small intestine because the gluten, the molecules of gluten and the molecules of small intestine look very similar. So the immune system has a tough time deciding, is it gluten? Is it the intestine? We'll attack it all. And it attacks the small intestine. It can cause some real serious harm to the digestive system. The digestive system gets all inflamed, so you can't absorb your nutrients. And then you have a problem. That's why so many people take super greens and essential source because it's easy to absorb, it's gentle, and it allows, it allows the body to get the stress off the colon, allows the colon to heal. Wheat allergies are often confused with celiac disease due to similar symptoms, but again, you just have to do the test to see which one it is. The treatment for both of them is what? Avoid the wheat. Now, they differ with wheat allergies, um, the sensitivity versus the allergy, because they generate the allergy-producing antibody to the proteins in the wheat. Celiac disease is caused by an abnormal immune reaction to gluten specifically in this case. Whenever many, however, many people experience unpleasant symptoms when they test negative for celiac or wheat allergy and they say, well, doc, I tested negative for it, I can do it. No, if you're having sensitivity, stop doing it. I don't know how to make that easier for you. Well, I tested negative for wheat, I can eat all the wheat I want. You're getting gas and bloating and mood swings and irritability, yeah, well then don't eat the wheat. Give me two weeks, see how you feel. Go back to the wheat, go back to the dairy, see how you feel. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right. I have no benefit to you doing this. Only you have the benefit to doing this, so do it. So it's called non-celiac gluten sensitivity if, you're not, if you don't test positive for the, for the blood work. A milder form of gluten intolerance that's been estimated to impact about 13% of the world population. But here's the other thing. If I go to Europe and I can eat wheat, I don't seem to have a sensitivity. If I'm in the US, I do have a sensitivity. So why the difference? Number one, 
In the U.S., the soil has been depleted oftentimes more than in other countries. Other countries oftentimes have richer soil. Number two, glyphosate. Glyphosate is a weed killer. And what we're commonly doing in the past several years is we, we don't spray glyphosate on wheat crops. Glyphosate kills weeds. And we can spray it on a genetically modified food. When we genetically modify a food like corn or soy, it's now tolerant to glyphosate, but it kill, the glyphosate kills the weeds around it, so it's easier to grow the crop. The problem is the glyphosate can get absorbed into the product, and now we have a reaction. With wheat, even though it's not genetically modified, a lot of companies now are spraying glyphosate to kill the wheat um, and the, the, the beans and lentils, and it's easier to harvest. So some of you may be having a reaction to the glyphosate, not the wheat itself or the lentils or whatever it is. So one way to avoid that is eat organic. So try organic lentils versus non-organic lentils, see how you feel. If you're having a reaction to the non-organic, it may not be the lentil, it might be the pesticide, the weed killer that's being used on it. So symptoms of non-celiac gluten sensitivity are similar to those to, to, to celiac disease. And again, bloating, abdominal pain, diarrhea, constipation, headaches, fatigue, joint pain, uh, skin rash, depression, anxiety, anemia, all of these can be either an allergy, celiac, or non-allergy, all coming from the, from the sensitivity to the gluten. So what you do is go to a gluten-free diet. It's pretty easy. Uh, it involves adhering to a diet free from uh, foods that contain gluten, such as breads, cookies, cakes, donuts, pastas, beer, baked goods, crackers, sauces, gravies, dresses. It's snuck in there a lot. Soy sauce oftentimes has wheat in it. You don't think about it. I'm going to a Chinese restaurant. There's no wheat there. There's no bread, cookies, cakes, donuts, or pastas. And the soy sauce has it in there. So you got to dig a little bit. Gluten-free is not that hard to do. One of the problems I have with people that do gluten-free is that there's a lot of junk food. I've been to these gluten-free uh, uh, expos. I've been a speaker at gluten-free expos. And they're selling cookies and cakes and donuts and pastas. And oh my gosh, the greatest thing in the world. It's all gluten-free. It's still processed sugar. Just because it doesn't have gluten in it doesn't mean it's a health food. The best foods are going to be what? Fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. Caffeine. I have this reaction. Caffeine is a chemical. It's found in a wide variety of beverages like coffee, soda, teas, energy drinks. It's a stimulant, so it reduces fatigue. It increases alertness when consumed. I, you all understand what caffeine does, but it does so by blocking receptors in the brain called adenosine receptor sites. So what happens is adenosine is released in your brain, it's absorbed at adenosine receptor site, and then you get tired. It's telling you, hey, you know what, Joe? You've worked too hard, go take a break. When you take a, caffeine, it looks like adenosine. So it blocks up the adenosine receptor sites, so you don't absorb the adenosine, so you stay awake. Now, caffeine is also a stimulant to the nervous system, but this is another way it works. But here's the problem. Your brain says, hey, wait a minute, Joe, I need rest. And I'm not getting tired. So I'm going to produce more adenosine receptor sites so that I can absorb more adenosine so I can get tired. That's why when you started with one cup of coffee, then you had to go to two and three and four and eight and 10 or whatever it is. So your, your brain chemistry, your physiology and physically, the brain is changing when you drink caffeine. So what happens is when you start to come off the caffeine, you get those headaches. So that's why in my first book that I wrote called Eating Right for the Health of It, you want to t I have a, a chapter called Kicking the Habit. You want to take one tablespoon of, of coffee every hour as you start to come off your caffeine. Always organic. You don't want to do co coffee that's not organic, loaded with pesticides. And one teaspoon an hour, tablespoon, I'm sorry, and that's just going to just give you enough so the brain can start to reshape itself and reboot, so to speak. So the neurotransmitter adenosine, it regulates sleep, the sleep-wake cycles, and it can cause drowsiness. So we, that's how you, we explain how you block up those receptors with caffeine. 
Some people are more sensitive to caffeine and experience reactions after consuming even a small amount, myself included. This hypersensitivity to caffeine has been linked to genetics, uh, as well as a decreased ability to metabolize and excrete caffeine. So caffeine sensitivity is different than caffeine allergies, which involves, again, the immune system. But again, the symptoms are the same. So as far as you're concerned, um, many times uh, allergic reactions and sensitivities to your symptoms are the same. The problem is if you have the allergy, it can escalate quickly and could potentially be life-threatening. So that's why you want to find out if it is an allergy versus a sensitivity so that you can prepare yourself for it. People with a hypersensitivity to caffeine experience some of the following symptoms after consuming even a little bit of caffeine. Rapid heart rate, that's me. Anxiety, me. Jitters, that's me. Insomnia, that's me. Nervousness, restlessness, that's me. And I get headaches. So you got to be careful if you're having headaches. It might be from the caffeine. And you got to be careful. Like I couldn't take an aspirin because it has caffeine in it. I can take acetaminophen, which helps block pain. I can take ibuprofen, which blocks inflammation. But I can't take an aspirin because it has caffeine in it. Now, some people take caffeine, it helps their headache, makes me worse. <clears throat> so again, you got to figure out how you respond. People with a sensitivity to caffeine should eliminate their intake by avoiding foods and beverage, of course, that contain caffeine. Coffee, sodas, energy drinks, teas, chocolate. I'd be careful with that too. Salicylates. Salicylates are naturally occurring chemicals, and people can have reactions to these, that are produced by plants, and it's a defense uh, against environmental stressors like insects and disease. So salicylates have anti-inflammatory anti properties. That's why it's called salicylic acid, which is what? Aspirin, okay? In fact, foods rich in these compounds have been shown to protect against certain diseases like colorectal cancer because they're anti-inflammatory. That's why people say take a baby aspirin. It's anti-inflammatory. For me, not a good idea because I probably have a reaction to salicylates as well. Now, these natural chemicals are found in a wide variety of foods such as fruits, vegetables, teas, coffee, spices, nuts, honey, now, I can eat small amounts of them. I don't have a problem. Aside from being a natural compound in food, salicylates are often used as a food preservative and, again, found in medications. So excessive amounts of salicylates can cause health problems. Most people have no problem consuming normal amounts of salicylates that are found in foods. However, some people are extremely sensitive to these compounds and can develop adverse reactions in even small amounts. I can eat small amounts, but I can't take it in a concentrated form. Symptoms of salicylate intolerance include stuffy nose, Sinus infections, nasal and sinus polyps, asthma, diarrhea, gut inflammation, uh, colitis, hives. So once again, you want to go to my website, drjoe.com, and print up the di diary. And start writing down what you're eating, and then see if you're having a reaction to those foods. You'll, you'll be able to chart it. It's pretty easy. You complete, it's impossible to completely remove salicylates from the diet, but salicylate intolerance uh, should be avoided foods that are high in salicylates, such as certain spices, coffee, raisins, oranges as well as cosmetics and medications that contain the salicylates. Gosh, I've got so much to cover, so little time. On the website, folks, drjoe.com, I'm going to put this in over, well over 1,000 hours of other shows. So if you missed something, I know I'm running through a lot of stuff today, go to the website, drjoe.com. You can watch and listen to podcasts, uh, send me questions through the website, read my blog, the supplements we talk about. Like I said, the minimum supplements you should be taking, Super Greens and Essential Source, are on the website, drjoe.com, so do digestive enzymes, a bunch of other stuff too. So the website's a great source of information. Amines, this is another food people have reaction to. Amines are produced by bacteri bacteria during food storage and fermentation and are found in a lot of foods. Now, there's a wide variety of different types of amines. Histamine is the most frequent one associated with food-related intolerances. Histamine is a chemical, it's in the body, and it plays a role in the immune system, the digestive system, the nervous system. It helps protect the body from infection 
by creating an immediate inflammatory response to allergens. This can trigger sneezing, uh, itchy eyes, watery eyes. And in order to potentially excrete harmful invaders in the body without an intolerance, histamine is easily metabolized and excreted. So you don't have an intolerance, you get a bug bite, you itch a little bit, and it's done. If you have a sensitivity to it, it's a problem. Some people aren't able to break down histamine properly, and that can cause a buildup in the body. So the most common reason for histamine intolerance is impaired function of enzymes. Remember enzymes? They break things down that are responsible for breaking down histamine. So if you have a reaction uh, like flushing skin, hives, headaches, uh, itchiness, anxiety, stomach problems, a diarrhea, low blood pressure, all these can be reactions to uh, histamine. Now, people with an intolerance to histamine should avoid foods that are naturally high in this chemical, which are what? Fermented foods, wines, uh, pickled foods, cured meats, dried fruits, citrus fruits. Citrus fruits are high in histamine. Avocados. Avocados are good for some people. They're not good for others. You have to see how you do, and that's why the diet diary is so helpful. Smoked fish, vinegar, soured foods like buttermilk, fermented alcoholic beverages like beer and wine. If you have these reactions, don't do it. It's very simple. Now, food mops, food, this is an interesting word, F-O-D-M-A-P-S. It's an abbreviation that stands for fermentable oligodimonosaccharides and polyols. So food maps or food mops, these are foods that have short chain carbohydrates. They occur naturally in food and they can cause digestive distress. They're carbohydrates that aren't being broken down properly. So food mops are poorly absorbed in the small intestinal. They travel into the large intestine where the few, they use this fuel by the gut bacteria, and the bacteria break them down and now ferment them, and that can cause problems. Now, the food FODMAPs, or food maps, F-O-D-M-A-P-S, uh, produce things like gas and bloating and, and discomfort. These carbohydrates uh, have what we call os, os, uh, osmotic properties. That means they draw fluid into the digestive system, which can cause diarrhea and discomfort. So FODMAP or food map, depending how you want to pronounce it, include things like bloating, diarrhea, gas, abdominal pain, constipation, uh, these intolerances are often common with people with irritable bowel syndrome or IBS. And in fact, 86% of people diagnosed with IBS experience a reduction in digestive symptoms when they follow what we call the low FODMAP or food map diet. Now, these foods, if you're having reactions to these foods, and again, if you have the diet diary, you'll see it. Apples, soft cheeses, honey, milk, artichokes, bread, beans, lentils, beer. Again, they're carbohydrates that just aren't being broken down. So if you're having these reactions, once again, diet diary on my website, drjoe.com, print it up. It's yours for free. I'll never see it after you print it. And you can start writing down what you're eating, write down your reactions, and then you start to see, gosh, every time I have apples, I have a reaction. Every time I have beer, I have a reaction. Every time I eat artichokes, I have a reaction. All right, maybe these foods aren't good for you, but then what do we do about it? A couple of things we said at the top of the show, in case you're just tuning in. If you have acid reflux, heartburn, burping, gas, bloating, it could be a sign that your stomach is physically pushing up against your diaphragm. And what we can do, my doctors, I've trained them to do this, is adjust or pull the stomach down away from the diaphragm. So that acid reflux that you think is just annoying and you're taking medication for can be very serious. Because as acid comes up into the throat, the acid can irritate the esophagus and can lead to things ultimately like esophageal cancer. If you have chronic cough, you're always <clears throat> clearing your throat. If you have sinus problems, that could be the acid coming up into the throat. And you're not, probably not breaking down your proteins properly. Proteins then pass from the stomach into the small intestine where they can cause an inflammatory reaction and they can tear little holes in your gut. And now you're absorbing these big chunks of protein and we call that leaky gut syndrome. So if you're having these issues, the problem might be physical. 
A lot of you have tried medications and drugs and uh, uh, the, the FODMAP diet, still not working. You might want to come see us and let us adjust your stomach and see what happens. We also want to check the nerve supply from the spine that goes to the digestive system because patients say, well, Dr. Joe, I just want you to fix my stomach. I said, I can't fix the stomach unless I fix the wiring to the stomach. So that's what chiropractic care comes in, fixing the spine and the digestive system. Then we get you on good foods like Dr. Joe's Super Greens, Dr. Joe's Essential Source, the minimum nutrients you should take every day. Then if you are eating a lot of cooked foods, I recommend try to eat something raw at every meal and then take Dr. Joe's digestive enzymes, which can help break down your food more efficiently. Now we're trying to get to the cause of the problem, which is the digestive system, not just treating the symptoms. So folks, if you, I'm running out of time. If you want to make an appointment to come see us, if you have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, numbness, tingling, if you've ever been in a car accident, ever, if the car was damaged, you were damaged. The most effective, least expensive treatment for most pain is chiropractic care. That should absolutely positively be your entry point. And if it isn't something we can fix, we will refer you to another doctor. So if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, I want you to go to my website right now. Do it right now before you forget, drjoe.com, D-R-J-O-E.com. Make an appointment online. We accept most insurance companies. We try to match your benefits the best we can. A car accidents, sports injuries, workers' comps, a lot of judges, attorneys will send us the patients because they don't know what else to do. And that's why we're usually the last resort. We want to be your first resort. So if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, go to the website right now, drjoe.com. In the Atlanta area, we have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge. I'm Dr. Joe Esposito. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on WSBRadio.com and on the WSB Radio app. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.